0: Welcome to A.T. Stewart and Sons Ministries. I'm your host, A.T. Stewart. I'm glad you've chosen to join us today as we look into the Word of God. So take your Bibles and let's hang out in God's Word for a few moments and see what God would say to us today. William Jesse Purvis, I love that man. Uh, And Debbie. We go way back, as he said, back when he was over at Pinehurst. And I think it was before y'all had any kids, actually. Uh... Uh, they'd only been married a little while when uh, we hooked up with them, and just immediately our hearts were bound together, were knit together as the heart of Jonathan and David were, and we just had a, a good relationship through the years. And and uh, Rick uh, Milner, it's been a blessing to uh, be with him and to uh, know him from way back when as well, a number of years. And Jean over here and. You just have a tremendous staff, and I, I know you know that, And uh, but I just want to reiterate, uh, uh, you've got a great staff, and God's doing a great work, and uh, it's e- exciting for Terry and I to be here. And it's been just a good uh, break from our normal routine of our normal Wednesday night service to be able to come down here and be with you folks. Uh, it's something invigorating about seeing new faces And being able to teach truth uh, that may not be that familiar to them. I told you last week and the week before that uh, Tara and I went through a stage in our life that our marriage was very um, critical. It was to the point of meltdown. And as I told you last week, I thought she was a problem. In fact, I knew she was until God told me I was a problem. And then he began to tell me that I needed to love her as Christ loved the church. And that if I would love her the right way, then she would respond in godly submission. So I began to pray and come against the strongholds of of hatred and hostility in our marriage through the name of Christ. I began to cover our marriage in the blood of Christ. I began to say, Lord, enable me through your spirit to begin to love Terry as you love me. And by his grace, he began to do that in baby steps. uh, I assure you, but we began to make some progress. And then lo and behold, he began to work in Terry's life apart from me telling her. Uh, What she needed to do, he began to work in her life, independent of that, and bring her and show her some glorious truth. And it all has to do with this subject of submission. Now, that's not a popular word in our culture. It's not a politically correct word. In fact, maybe some of you, when you hear that word submission, it just makes your blood pressure just jump way up. And maybe your face gets all flushed, you know, and it's not a hot flash. It's just the word submission uh, that's happening. Uh, because our society has has totally misunderstood this concept. Satan has done a masterful job of deceiving people about what submission really is. Now, usually what we conjure up in our mind when we hear the word submission is we picture this big burly, a well-dressed man, and this little bitty woman just in tattered clothes, maybe a bandana on her head, just following after him like a little puppy dog. And anything he wants, she just scurries around and does it. When I react to that picture, I mean, if that's what submission was, I would react to it. And so what I've had to do through the years is when I talk about submission, I've got to talk about what it's not. As well as what it is. Because I need to undo the lies of Satan so that I can then present the truth of God. So ladies, I want you to do one thing for me right now. Throw out all notions, all previous notions that you've had about submission. Just throw them out. Let's start fresh. And just see what God's Word says. You're here tonight because you love the Lord. You're here tonight because you desire to be a woman of God. And to walk in obedience to His Word. You're here tonight because you believe the Bible is the inspired, inerrant Word of God. And you desire to bring your life in submission to the authority of God's Word. And so, as we look at God's Word tonight. Just clear out your mind from any preconceived notions and let's look into the Word. Now, you test what I say by the Word. And if I'm not true to the Word, you throw it away. But if it's true to the Word of God, then obey it. Embrace it. Gladly believe it and do it. First thing we need to see is that submission is not inferiority but recognizing God's order. You see the word itself submission hupo stasso means to arrange under. It's the word "stasso," which means to arrange and the prefix hupo which means under. Literally, in the Greek language, it is primarily a military term. Now, with Fort Benning here, you are familiar with the military. And you know the military has a very clear order. Everybody knows their place. They know their rank, and they know where their rank falls in the hierarchy, and they know what that means for them. And if you're going to have an organization that's going to function with any efficiency, you've got to have... A sense of hierarchy, a sense of order. People must be arranged in a certain order so people will know where they fit. And that's the basic meaning of this word submission. To arrange in order. It has absolutely nothing to do, ladies, with inferiority. Now the feminists want to tell us, oh no, when you submit to someone, you're saying you're inferior to them. You're saying you're less than they are, but it has absolutely nothing to do with superiority or inferiority. Now, over in Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 22, we have God's words to the wife. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Submission. Not inferiority, but simply recognizing God's order. Now, why does God tell the wife to be submissive to their husband? Why does he say the husband is head of the wife, is Christ, is head of the church? Well, look over in 1 Corinthians, in chapter 11. Because here Paul sets forth for us clearly God's order from creation. 1 Corinthians, chapter 11, in verse 3. Paul writes, but I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man and the man is the head of a woman and God is the head of Christ. God has established an order at creation. We saw that the first Wednesday night when God created Adam first. He set the order. That Adam was to be the leader. You remember he decided after creating Adam that it is not good for man to be alone. And he created Eve as his helper. Someone has said he created Eve from Adam's rib. From his side. Not from his head that she would rule over him. Not from his feet that he would walk over her. But from his side that they would walk together. That she would be his helper. His helpmate. Now, if God had created Eve first, then my wife, Terry, would be up here talking to you tonight, not me. But God established his order in his own wisdom. But it has nothing to do with inferiority or superiority. It's simply a matter of order. God is a God of order. Jesus willingly submits to the Father. Christ is the head of every man. The man is the head of the woman. And God the Father is the head of Christ. And we said a few weeks ago that God the Father and God the Son are totally equal. There's no inferiority or superiority in that relationship. They're co-equal, co-eternal. Remember, it's just one God, two persons. But yet the son willingly arranges himself under the father, submits himself to the father. Another good example is when you look at the life of Jesus. Now, would you ever imagine that Jesus was inferior to his parents? Absolutely not. We know that Jesus was God in the flesh. God incarnate. Even as a child. Even as that baby in the manger. He was God walking among us. And so in Luke chapter 2 verse 51. We see some interesting words about our Lord Jesus. And his submission to his parents. This is the episode... When he was 12 years old and they had gone to the temple in Jerusalem and he had stayed back to talk to the scribes and the teachers and his parents didn't realize it. And the reason they didn't realize it is because as they were traveling from Nazareth down to Jerusalem and they were walking, they would stop and pick up friends along the way. Much like we do sometimes when we travel uh, in a car, you'll stop by and you'll pick up some friends and you'll go together. Well, they were walking and families, extended families would all be together together. And so it was not uncommon for Jesus to be off with his uh, cousins and playing with them and his parents not see him. So evidently, this is what happened. They were traveling back. They thought he was with an uncle or aunt or, or some cousins only to find out he was not. And they went back and they found him in the temple. And you remember he said to them, don't you know, I must be about my father's business. But then we read these words in verse 51. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth, and he continued in subjection to them. And his mother treasured all of these things in her heart. He continued in subjection, same word that we have for submission. He continued to arrange himself under the authority of his parents, though he was the son of God. And there came a time in his life when he was grown over in John three, when his mother came to him and at the wedding and said, do something. They've run out of wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what do I have to do with you? And what he was saying is, mom, I'm not under your authority anymore. I'm a grown man now. I'm under the authority of my father in heaven and I must obey him. But as a child of 12 years old. He submitted to his parents. But there is no doubt he was not inferior to his parents. Let me give you another example. Who is the most important player on a football team? Now think about it. Who's the most important player on a football team? Now some of you might think, well, the quarterback. You know, if a team doesn't have a good quarterback, they don't win. And you probably could name some quarterbacks in the professional football. Well, he's not the most important guy on the team. It's that center, the guy that hikes the ball. Because you see, if he didn't hike the ball, you couldn't have a play, could you? He's got to hike that ball. Now, you could run a play without a quarterback. You could hike the ball to a halfback. But you can't hike a ball without a center. But yet... Who would think that that center is so important? He submits himself to the authority of that quarterback. Quarterback says, hike it on too. He better hike it on too. But he is so important. But you see, he puts his ability under the direction of that quarterback. But he is not inferior. They can't run to play without him. Now, you probably can't name any professional centers. You can name quarterbacks. We don't hear much about those guys. They're in the trenches. But, man, they are important. Another example. Say we have the American forces and, say, the uh, um, French forces are going to do some joint operation together exercises uh, and doing some different military procedures. And so the English general, or the American general doesn't speak English, and the French general doesn't, uh, excuse me, the American general doesn't speak French, and the French general doesn't speak English. Well, they're going to have trouble doing their maneuvers when they can't communicate. So what do they do? They bring in this corporal who's a translator. And this corporal translates for these guys. Now, is he inferior to those generals? He can do something they can't do. He knows the languages they don't know. So you couldn't say he's inferior to them, but yet he submits to them. It's a matter of order. So ladies, submission is not inferiority. It is simply recognizing the order that God established at creation. It's not something men have come up with in this culture to keep women uh, below them and to dominate women. That's another lie that Satan's put out there. Oh, that's just a male thing. Men have always beat down women. That's just something culture has done. No, it goes all the way back to creation. God established the order. Second, submission is not slavery, but helping your husband. Again, we picture this big burly man coming in, and he has his nice three-piece suit on. He comes in from work, and... He sits down, and lo and behold, this submissive wife runs up to him again uh, in her little uh, retattered dress. She doesn't spend any money on her own clothes, and she's been cleaning the house all day and cooking him meals all day, and she runs up to him with the newspaper, and she runs up to him with his cup of coffee, and he sits down in his big easy chair, and she just kind of sits there quietly beside him, just waiting for his next order. I react to that picture. Women, God has never called you to be your husband's servant, to be his slave. Submission is not slavery, but it is helping your husband. Submission means you yield yourself to your husband so that your ability and your talents can be brought to help the entire family. Submission is arranging yourself under your husband's leadership with the abilities and strengths that you have so the whole family can be strengthened. Again, the translator. He submits his abilities to the general's direction so that the army can be strengthened and benefited. The center submits his abilities to the quarterback's direction and leadership so the whole team can be strengthened. So submission is not slavery, but it's helping your husband. Remember, when God created Eve, He created her to be His helper, to be His companion, to be His completer. Do you know God uses that same word to talk about Himself? He calls Himself the helper of Israel. Now, is that... Slavery, is God saying he's a slave of Israel? No. God is Israel's helper. God has called the wife to be her husband's helper. To submit your talents, your abilities, to his leadership and authority so the whole family can be helped. Because you're submitted to your husband does not mean you're less vital to the family at all. As you follow His direction and His leading, you are helping that family. You are strengthening that family. God has given you abilities that He's not given your husband. God has given you strengths that your husband doesn't have. And when you bring those strengths and abilities under His direction, the whole family is benefiting. The whole family is strengthened. That's what God's design is in submission. It's not slavery, but it's helping your husband to the benefit of the whole family. Look at the Lord Jesus. Today we saw, as I have never seen before, the suffering that Christ went through. He did that in submission to the Heavenly Father. Oh, he loved us. But you know, his primary motivation was submission to the will of the Father. Philippians 3 says that he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death. And because of his willingness to submit to God the Father and experience the cross and the suffering and to be a sacrifice for our sins. We have benefited. You and I have benefited and received forgiveness of sins and a new life in Christ. And His righteousness. Through His submission, we have been benefited. As you submit to your husband, his leadership, his direction, your whole family will be benefited and strengthened. Third, submission is not optional. But commanded by God. It says, "Wise, be submissive to your husbands in everything. That's a command. You do not have a problem submitting to your husband. You don't. Your problem is submitting to God. Because it's not your husband that commands you to submit. It's God who commands you to submit. I hear women say, oh, but preacher, you know, I, I, just, I just can't submit to my husband. I, I just have a problem submitting to him. You see, the question is not, will you submit to your husband? The real question is, will you submit to God and obey his word and submit to your husband? Let's get the issue where it really is, ladies. It's easy for you to look at that man and say, well, I have trouble submitting to him. And you name, think about some of his faults. But that's not the real issue. That's not where the question really is. The question is, will you submit to God by obeying him and therefore submitting to your husband as he commands you to do? You see, God in his wisdom knew that you would have great difficulty submitting to your husband if he was the one commanding you to do it. You know, when you command your wife to submit, as I mentioned last week, it just causes her to want to do just the opposite. And that's why God never says, husbands, command your wives to submit. God says, ladies, it's going to be between me and you. Your husband's left out of this thing. It's between us. Now, will you obey me? Will you surrender to my lordship in your life and therefore submit to your husband? But my husband's not doing his part. You preached last week that he is to love me as Christ loves the church and he's not doing that. This passage is not conditional, ladies. It doesn't say, wives, submit to your husbands and everything if he's loving you like Christ loves the church. In fact, the Bible says if he's not loving you like Christ loves the church, that's even more reason why you need to submit. I have ladies that come in my office periodically and they're in a rough marriage and their husband isn't treating them well. Uh, He doesn't pay attention to them. Maybe he might be uh, uh, verbally abusive to them. Uh, Just a number of other things. Uh. And what they're wanting me to do is to say to them, well, you poor little thing. Man, I wouldn't put up with that. I'd get out of there. And I always say, well, let's turn over to 1 Peter chapter 3. Let's see what God says about this. I know it's tough. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. But let's see what God says. And I hand them the Bible because I want them to read it. I say, let's read this and talk about it. And so we begin in verse 1 of 1 Peter 3. In the same way, you wives be submissive to your own husbands. In the same way. What's he talking about? In the in, in same way as what? Well, if you look a few verses before... He's talking about Christ and his willingness to submit to the cruelty and hostilities of sinful men. About Christ, though he suffered and was reviled, he did not revile in return. And verse 21 of chapter 2 says, for you have been called for this purpose. Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while he being reviled, he did not revile in return, while suffering he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. He entrusted himself to the Father. And He Himself bore our sins in His body on the cross that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For, you were, for by His wounds you were healed. For you were continually strained like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands. So that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be one without a word. By the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. In the same way that Jesus suffered for doing right. He didn't deserve it. In the same way that he endured that suffering entrusting himself to God the Father. Now what does that mean? Jesus knew sinful men could do nothing to him that had not been foreordained by God the Father. Look in Acts, chapters 2 and 4. And therefore, when he surrendered to the torture that those Roman soldiers put against him, and that guard of Sanhedrin delivered on him, he did so in submission and trust in the Heavenly Father, that man could do nothing to him that God the Father did not allow to happen. And I say, wise God says, in the same way you entrust yourself to him, even if that man is not understanding, even if he isn't being the husband that he should be, you entrust yourself to the Heavenly Father and you be the submissive wife He's called you to be. And He says, if you'll do that, that husband who is disobedient to the Word will be one. He'll be brought back. Now, God does that in His time, but God gives a promise there. If you'll be the submissive wife that God's called you to be, he'll work on that husband. You see, I'm afraid too many times the wife stands in the way. God wants to work on that husband, but she's in the way. But when she gets in submission, then God can work on that husband unhindered. As he observes your chaste and respectful behavior. Notice it says he will be one without a word. That means you don't stay on his back about coming to church. You don't nag him about the way he's acting. You're not his Holy Spirit. Without a word. Women, you need to get this through your head. He hasn't listened to you since a week after you were married. Why is he going to start now? You see... When you start hounding us, you know what we do? We just dig in. Even if we know you're right, you know, you've already stepped on us and you've squashed our male ego. And then, man, it's just a war. We're not going to admit you're right. Even if you are then, we're just going to dig in. Men do not like to be told what to do by a woman, be it their mother or their wife. Just the way it is, ladies. I'm sorry. I don't know if God made us that way or if sin did it, but it's, it's, it's true. God can do more on that husband in one hundredth of a second than you can do in ten years. Back off. Let God work on him. You be that respectful wife with that quiet and gentle spirit that's precious in God's sight. And God will work on that guy. You let God have him. He can work on him. He can't run away from God. Now let's think about this word a minute, respectful. Now back over in Ephesians chapter 5. Last week I shared with you men Colossians three nineteen, a verse that uh, I wish I had never discovered in the Scriptures. About men never ever under any occasion have a right to be harsh or act frustrated with their wives. Eliza, I'm going to show you a verse tonight that you're going to wish you hadn't seen. In Ephesians 5, verse 33. It says, Nevertheless, let each individual among you also love his own wife, even as himself. Now, here it comes. And let the wife see to it that she respect her husband. I told you last week. God never says for a wife to love her husband, never commands her to love him, but commands her to respect him. I told you last week, men, that your wife's greatest need is for you to communicate with her. Ladies, your husband's greatest need is to have your respect. He'd rather have your respect than your love. Because in his mind, if you don't respect him, you cannot love him. He just sees pity. He wants your respect. That's why God commands a woman to respect her husband. And just as He commands that husband not to be harsh with his wife because our tendency is to be harsh with her before we're harsh with anybody, I believe He commands the wife to respect her husband because, ladies, you tend to not respect your husband quicker than anybody. How many times have you gone up to a stranger and taken what they've said over what your husband's been telling you? And you know it, man. You've seen it happen. You think, my word, I've been telling her this. And she asks a stranger and believes he knows what he's talking about. That's not respect. Now, the Amplified Bible, I love the way it says this. It's on your screen. However, let each man of you, without exception, love his wife as being, in a sense, his very own self, and let the wife see to it that she respects And reverences her husband. And that explains what that respect is. That she notices him. Regards him. Honors him. Prefers him. Venerates and esteems him. And that she defers to him. Praises him. And loves and admires him. Him exceedingly. Look at that verse again, ladies. I just want you to study in a moment. <laughs> Men, it's worth going out and buying an amplified Bible for your wife just for that verse. Isn't that a good one? I like the word venerates. That just sounds good, doesn't huh? it? Now, it's God who's telling you to do that, ladies. Prefer to him. Venerate him. Esteem him. Uh, Defer to him. Praise him. Admire him. Notice him. Have high regard for him. Now, you want your man to be a man? You do that, he'll be a man. You know, a woman can bring out manliness in a man. You can take a man who just will not lead, who is just wimpish, and you get the right woman next to him, and she can make him feel like a man. She can bring out those manly qualities as nobody else can. Ladies, you have that power. You got a husband that won't lead? You respect him. He'll start leading. Because he'll rise to the occasion. Because he likes that respect. You know, a man will lie to his wife because he's afraid if he tells her the truth, she won't respect him. Now, see, we idiots, we think if we lie, we can keep your respect. We don't realize if we tell you the truth, you'll respect us more. See, that's the thing we're caught in as men. But a man will do most anything to keep his wife's respect. That's why if another man comes up and degrades you in front of your uh, wife, Or defra- de- degrade your husband in front of you. That man better watch out. Your husband is not going to stand there and take that. Because he wants you to respect him. Submission is not slavery. It is not optional. It is commanded by God. Next. Submission is not demeaning. But exalting. You see, it does not lower your importance or your value or worth to submit to your husband. In fact, when you submit to your husband, you're elevated. You're exalted. You actually become greater. Jesus himself said, he that desires to be great, let him lead. No, let him be a servant. Ladies, when you serve, when you submit to your husband... It's not demeaning. It is exalting. Jesus said through Peter, humble yourselves and you shall be exalted. Jesus humbled himself and became obedient even to the point of death. And you know what happened? God highly exalted him and gave him a name above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow on heaven and on earth and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. When you are fulfilling the purpose for which God created you, it exalts you. It's not demeaning. Say you decided you wanted to order a Hummer. You're going to spend $70,000 on a Hummer. And so you talk to the dealer. And he said, it'll be in in a week. You get home from work, and there it is in your driveway a week later. You are so excited, you can't believe it. You've been dreaming about this thing for, for a week. So you go in, the, and you go out, and you go in to get inside, and you put the key in, and you turn it. Nothing happens. Turn it again. Nothing happens. You go in, you pick up the phone, you call the dealership, you say, well, I got the Hummer out here, but it will not start up. And the dealer says, well, it's not going to ever run. We had to haul it out there to you. (laughs) Now, you spent $70,000 on this Hummer and it won't run. Now, how much is it worth to you now? Kind of expensive sulfur. Your wife might tell you to go sleep out there since uh, you spent that much money on it. You could buy a good trailer for that. Double wide, maybe, I don't But you see, it's not worth anything because it's not fulfilling the design for which it was created. Wives, when you fulfill God's design for you, and that is to be submissive to your husbands, it's not demeaning. It is exalting. You are being lifted up in the eyes of God. Now, this society may not exalt you. But God says it's precious in His sight. In His eyes, you're exalted. Number five, submission is not restrictive, but protective. He says, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. Satan takes God's word, God's commands, and wants us to see them as restrictive. Oh, if you submit to your husband, you are selling yourself short. You'll never be everything you want to be if you submit to your husband. You won't be the person that you can be apart from him. You will have to surrender your personhood. Satan came to Eve in the garden. And he said to her, is there any tree of the garden that you cannot eat? Now, just the way he phrased that question, he was centered in on what was restricted from her. And she said, well, yeah, that was one tree that we can't eat of. He picks the one thing that God has placed a restriction on. And why did God place that restriction? Was it because it was good for them to eat it? No, it was not good for them to eat it. They would have knowledge of good and evil. And that was not for them to know at this point through sin. God was just trying to protect them. He wasn't trying to restrict them. But Satan turns it around and makes it look restrictive. Oh, no, you can eat from that. God just doesn't want you to be like Him. See, He's holding something back that's good for you. This command is restrictive. And Satan does the same thing today. He comes to ladies and he says, oh, no, if you submit to your husband, man, you can just kiss your personhood goodbye. You'll never be everything you ought to be. Man, you're just giving up your freedom. You're just, just selling yourself short. See, you're you, you being held back. God's trying to hold something back from you. But God's desire for you is to protect you. God's desire is for you to get in submission to your husband and receive the protection that there is for you in that position of submission. Ladies, if you will understand the true spirit of submission, you will find peace and tranquility in that position as you've never experienced before. When I see a woman is agitated and upset and fretful, I know one of two things are happening. Either her husband is not giving her proper protection or she's not submitting to that protection or both. One of the first signs that a woman's not in submission to her husband is she's all upset, she's all all nervous, she's all, all anxious. He says, submit unto your husband as unto the Lord. Flee to him. God speaks to the husband even if he's not a Christian. That's what it means. Submit unto him as unto the Lord. Go to him and say, honey, you know, they've asked me to do this in church. To serve in this position. What should I do? Now, it's his job. It's your job, man, to go with, go to God and find out what God's will is. That's your job. That's what being a leader means. And you go and find the will of God and then you come back to your wife and you tell her what you believe God's will is, and ladies, guess what? If he's wrong, the blood's off your hands, because you've been submissive to your husband and doing what he says. That's what God's called you to do. But you see how much peace you can have? If you'll believe God's speaking through that man, and you do what he has said that he believes God's will is, then you can be at peace because you're obeying God and being submissive to your husband. Man, that's a place of peace. You know, if something happens at church, and Terry comes up to me and says, You know, so and so happen. Should I worry about that? I'll think about it. May send up a quick prayer. And I'll say, Nope, don't think you need to worry about that. Just be at ease. Now, when she accepts that as being God's word to her, she has peace. She has tranquility. She has a quiet and gentle spirit. But, you know, if she doesn't accept that, then she gets anxious. She gets upset. She gets fretful. That's not what God wants for you, ladies. He wants you to have a life of tranquility and peace because you're under protection Of your husband. Submission is not restrictive. It is protective. Men, give your wife that covering that God's called you to give her. In wise, godly counsel. In love. Ladies, God's word to you. Submit to your husbands. As you do so, your children will see submission to authority lived out in the home. And they will grow up to submit to you as their parents. They will grow up to submit to authorities in society. But most importantly, they will grow up to submit to God. Because they've seen it lived out in their home. They've seen mom be submissive to dad. Even at times when she didn't agree with what he said, but she didn't go behind his back. But she said, your dad is our leader in this home and we'll follow him. Then they learn to Submit. And dads, when they see a love and authority in the home, they don't need to be afraid of authority. They see authority as protection. You see, God takes all these rebellious individuals that are born into this human race. And he puts them in little units of three, four, five, six. And he puts a man and a woman, a father and a mother in that unit to live out authority to submission. Submission to authority. And those rebellious wills are to be brought in line as they see it lived out. And then come under God's authority and live as responsible Christians and citizens in an orderly society. Ladies, what will you do? Will you obey God? For your homework, I'd like you to go home this week and just take these different things that we've talked about. You and your husband just talk about them. Have I misunderstood submission by thinking it was demeaning? But now do I realize that it's just simply God's order or it is exalting? Just go through and talk about these things. Talk about conceptions you've had, if they've been misconceptions or they've been true. Search out the Word. Now, if you're really serious about this thing of submission, now don't get this book if you're not serious, because if you're not serious, you're going to throw it in the trash can. But if you really want to be a woman of God, the absolute best book I've ever read on the subject, the most biblical book I've ever read on the subject, is entitled, Me, Obey Him. And it's going to be up on the screen. Write that down and get a copy of it. It's called, Me, Obey Him, by Elizabeth Hanford. Me, Obey Him. Again, Terry threw it in the trash the first time she started it. But I got it out. And later she went through it and she saw the truth of it. But if you really have a heart and desire to walk with God, to really understand this thing about submission, ladies, let me encourage you to get that book. Let me obey him. Let's pray. Father, I know this subject is is difficult for many tonight because it goes against our flesh, first of all, and because the lies of Satan have so been entrenched in our minds. I pray, though, that the truth will set people free. That ladies tonight will be set free. And they'll understand that godly submission is a blessing not a curse, that they can be victors, not victims, that they can enjoy life and their marriage as never before, as by your grace and power, they walk in submission to their husbands and to you. In Jesus' name, amen.